for the New York State AFL-CIO. I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. Nurses are among those on the front line of the coronavirus pandemic. They're under tremendous stress and often working incredibly long days with little time off. They're caring for severely ill patients while also trying to protect themselves and their own loved ones from contracting the disease. Many nurses are turning to their union for help. Unions have been providing their members with personal protective equipment, and in some cases, they're even providing them with hotel rooms. New York State Public Employees Federation, PEF, is providing its nurses with hotel rooms. And joining me on the line to explain the hotel program is the president of PEF, Wayne Spence. So, Wayne, welcome to the Union Strong podcast. Thank you for having me. Before we talk about the specifics of the program, can you explain to our listeners who your members are? My members are public employees um, with the state of New York. We represent over 4,000 titles and about 52,000 members from Buffalo to Long Island. You know, and I think one of the things is when people envision and they think about state employees, they don't typically think about nurses. But you've got several members who are nurses and who are right on the front lines during this pandemic. Absolutely. We have about 10,000 nurses and uh, they were some of the first people called up to be on the front line. Um, In addition to nurses, we also have the Wadsworth Lab that people might have heard about in the very first days of the uh, the outbreak in New York in terms of the governor's um, wanting the ability to test uh, people who were contracting the virus in New Rochelle. Um, Again, PEF members are those Wasworth Lab scientists who developed the testing program for the state of New York. Um, and the nurses were the nurses from the Department of Health who, on a normal circumstances, do research on testing for people who have communicable diseases like sexually transmitted diseases. So those nurses were always doing that type of work. I call it the detective work when it comes to um, different type of viruses and diseases. So that skill set was put to use immediately. Um, in New Rochelle and across the state. So with the nurses who are now um, helping these patients who have this coronavirus, you know, they are working long hours. It's a lot of stress for them. And now uh, the union, PEF, has put uh, together a block of hotel rooms in different parts of the state to help them. Tell me about how that came about. What, who came up with that idea and what are you doing with it? Well, um, it was my idea as a result of a problem that was uh, presented to me by an executive board member. It was a nurse. She worked at Stony Brook mm-hmm. and she was telling me that how nurses, including herself, was afraid to go home at night as they're now dealing with the COVID positive patients and that they have to intubate and treating at Stony Brook. And the frustration was that there was not enough testing. At that time, the only testing that was being done was in New Rochelle. Um, there was no testing sites yet on Long Island, which is one of the big sites is Jones Beach. Mm-hmm. So the question was, if I don't know if I'm positive and I go home and I have loved ones, including elder parents, which a lot of us have elder parents now who are living with us, they're the most susceptible um, and could have some of the worst outcomes as a result of uh, contracting the virus. And they're like, How? I don't know if I have it or don't have it. And if I don't get tested for it, I'm worried that I'm going home. I could actually kill my loved ones because mm-hmm. of the job I do. So. I came up with an idea. If I can't get them tested, the best thing I can do then is giving them someplace else to stay, an alternative to going home. And I didn't know if any, how many nurses would have taken it up. But as soon as we offered it, the first night we offered it, we came up with the idea 
on a Thursday, on a Friday morning. And that Friday night, we implemented it. And the first night, at least 12 nurses took it um, oh. in, in, at Stony Brook University. And the next day, about 12 nurses took it, uh, took, took up that benefit at Downstate uh, Medical Center, um, which had then been identified within, that, within one day as the COVID positive uh, triage center for Brooklyn. And it just, and then from there, it has mushroomed where we have people who work in correctional facilities where nurses are now dealing with positive, uh, COVID positive patients along with OMH and OPWDD facilities in Rockland County and Buffalo, Syracuse, all the way up to the, the Northern tier, uh, North country, like Danamora. So we have nurses mm-hmm. who are staying in hotels throughout the state that is u- utilizing this benefit. So the union PEF has uh, been paying for these hotel rooms? Yes, I believe we started, I think maybe the 20th, the 19th or the 20th mm-hmm. um, of March. And to date, we spent uh, at least about $160,000. Wow. Well. And so the demand is not letting up. And it sounds like no. these nurses really appreciate it, not only to keep their, their family safe, but you know to get some well-deserved and needed rest so they can go back and take care of other people. It, it was a, it was about rest and also um, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, they now don't have to worry about the stress of worried about going home and possibly bringing it uh, to their family. So even with testing, because a nurse said to me, I was tested. Um, I'm negative. I said, but I'm negative now. I could get, I could be exposed tonight and then tomorrow I'm positive. But mm-hmm. we can keep getting tested every day, and that's just not reasonable, nor is the testing um, ability to do testing all the time. So this is their best shot until, I guess, there's a discovery of uh, a cure or, or something better where a nurse can know better if they have it or not. So have you been able to work out any kind of deals and discounts uh, with any of these hotels? Uh, yeah, the Hilton, Hilton Hotel, um, the folks who own some of the Hilton properties, on Long Island, in, in New York City, across the state, has been extremely generous uh, to us. They've given us, we paid about $105 a night per person. That is definitely a lot less than $189 or $190 mm-hmm. a night. And as as we're, as we're this has taken off, certain places have actually opened up some dorms for us. Um, my understanding is about 50 dorms is going to be made available uh, to healthcare providers. Um, but again, these healthcare providers are also those CSEA members are those the people that does the, um, housekeeping, meaning they are janitors mm-hmm. and other people who work in a hospital who are also coming around by having to clean up, um, some of these rooms and the patients and the patients, uh, facilities that are getting exposed or potentially getting exposed and they don't make as much as nurses do. And I, I'll tell you, my nurses aren't making that much money. As it is. So and they're saying to me that we can we can we let those folks who are really on the lower rung of the pay scale get the free rooms and can the union help us with those other rooms? So it's mm-hmm. a mixed bag. Right. It's really grown. The need is obviously there. That's obvious. And there's also a need for personal protective equipment still. Um, you know, we're hearing about that. Is are you finding that to be the case uh, for your members? Yes. As a matter of fact, as we speak, I'm getting ready to uh help distribute about uh, 20,000 masks. Um, these masks, I, I believe, the mask I'm getting ready to distribute 
they had a surgical mask, mm -hmm. um, good quality surgical mask, uh, along with some KN95s. The KN95s are the the Chinese version of the N95s. Um, they're not exactly, we're not sure what the standard is, mm -hmm. but we know some of our nurses who are dealing with COVID positive patients saying that they'd rather have those than the standard uh, like surgical, surgical masks. Yeah, sure. And so, so for instance, I'm going to a place called Creedmoor Psychiatric. 35% of the workforce there are out because they've tested positive and they have not had much uh, equipment. Most of the, the PPEs, the masks that we that they've gotten came from the union. And we're about to do our second distribution uh, to them because they're just not getting what they're just not getting much mm -hmm. from the state. Well, I'm glad that you can um, help, you know, get something extra out to them. It's just crazy that they have to be worried about that as well. Up next, we're going to talk to one of your nurses, Wayne, who's taken advantage of the hotel program. So Wayne Spence, the president of the Public Employees Federation, thank you for taking the time with us today. We'll be sure to include the information at the end of the podcast on how people can support the program. And thank you very much for all that you're doing, Wayne. Marcy, thank you. And I... Just hope everybody's safe, and I hope that we get through this uh, safe and sound. Same here, Wayne. Stay healthy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Amy, can you start by introducing yourself, please? Sure. My name is Amy Patchock. I'm a nurse at SUNY Stony Brook on Long Island. New York in Suffolk County, and I've worked there for about 12 years. I'm a TNR2 nurse, meaning that I have a little bit more experience than some of our newer nurses, um, and I work in surgical trauma critical care. Well, welcome to the program, Amy. We appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate being there. So can you start, Amy, by giving us an idea of um, what a typical day is like for you as a nurse at Stony Brook Hospital throughout this pandemic? I don't even know if there is a typical day, but give us an idea of what that's like. Okay, so we walk in the building. Everybody has a mask. Our CMO sent out a message several weeks ago stating that everybody has to wear a mask, at least a surgical at all times. And um, I walk in, I go get a pair of scrubs. The whole staff has been issued scrubs. We just go pick them up from wherever. So we don't wear any of our clothes from home on the unit or any of our usual scrubs on the unit. We change clothes and then um, we usually go to our unit. Lately, I've been just working straight COVID. So um, my unit is paired with a clean unit. That's one of the only, it's the only actually clean ICU left in the institution. Um, so I normally work the COVID unit and, um, I go up to my unit, I get my assignment. Sometimes I, I have two patients. Sometimes I have three patients. Our usual load is like one to two patients based on how ill they are, but because we're short staffed, um, it is what it is. We've sort of just accepted our role at this moment in time. And, uh, I will say my first few days on the unit, I was really kind of, afraid and nervous um, because it's a lot to deal with um, knowing what what is possible and um, once you kind of get past that fear it does sort of happen because then you just work and work and work so I will say generally at the end of the day after working we are exhausted we're not really taking lunch breaks we're not really drinking like we'll go and like stuff food in our face for about five or ten minutes um 
or take like a five minute break to get a drink of water. And um, then we actually go back to work because it is that crazy. How sick Um, are are the patients that you're treating, Amy? So they're pretty sick, you know, like um, I've been a surgical trauma nurse for about 12 years and I've never seen people be as sick. So normally what happens is you'll get like a, a sick person and a not so sick person. All three of the patients that I had the other day were like, insanely ill, um, crazy, like ABG numbers, arterial blood gas numbers on anywhere from five to eight trips a piece. Um, they're all intubated. Um, they all require total care. Um, they all have different dynamics going on. Some you need to manage their sedation and benzos better. Some you need to manage their blood pressure and stuff better, their blood pressure and heart rate better. Every person has a different dynamic. So, I mean, there isn't like a protocol to manage each patient. You treat the symptoms of each patient to help them get better. And everybody is presenting differently. So it's very taxing to manage each person individually. These people are so sick. It's kind of insane. It's like when I go to my normal ICU that's clean, it's like a day in the park. I'm not even kidding. So, well, um, and I wonder then in that case, too, it's so unique, this whole pandemic that we're in, that normally I'm sure you would have some sort of communication or someone, whatever role that is, with the family of these patients. But there's that added stress, too, right? Because I've got to imagine that patients come in and say, you know, you've got to let my family know how I'm doing. And what are those conversations like? So with that being said, um, we do have somebody on our unit who works five days a week and she calls all the families on our unit. So on the two days that she's not there, it has a little bit of an added stress because they'll call. And sometimes if you're busy, you literally can't come to the phone. And it's really you know, upsetting for them. I can't even imagine how upsetting it is for them. Um, so sometimes uh, we'll talk to the staff member who's in the room, the nurse who's in the room and ask them, is there anything you want me to say? to the family member if we're outside and we pick up the phone. So sometimes we'll be able to do that, but then the families will have other questions. Sure. And it's not like I can per se respond because I'm not the primary nurse and I don't necessarily know what's going on with the patient, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, I imagine on the family's perspective, it's kind of frustrating, but at the same time, like I this is going to sound horrible. I literally don't have the five minutes to talk to you. I literally don't have time to go to the bathroom or drink a glass of water. So you're focused on caring for their loved one. I mean, that's the top priority. Yeah. So that brings me to, I would imagine, you know, you, we all want to be able to go home safely to our families at the end of the workday, but you've opted for the safer option, which is to stay in a nearby hotel room. Why is that? Talk to me about that. Yeah. So our, you know, my colleagues and I were talking a little bit about that and um, it just so happened that one of our nurse coordinators had called me from PEF and said, would anyone be interested if PEF put you up um, to stay in a hotel? And I'm like, oh, absolutely. I would love to. So my mother has just finished about two years of chemo radiation and she's recently retired And my husband has uh, respiratory issues. He's an asthmatic and he always has complications, especially this time of year with allergies. So we have an eight-year-old child together and my child um, is not in school. So we need somebody to watch her. So my child would go between my husband. He works for a government facility on Plum Island. And so some days he's at work and some days he's at home. And then other days my child would be with my my mom. So my concern was that I would be a vector, meaning that 
I would bring the virus home because it's all over. You know, we can change our scrubs, but it's not until we really scrub ourselves um, and remove all of the items from our body that the virus is born. Who's to say that it's not somewhere? Mm-hmm. So I was just concerned that I would be the person who would bring illness to my family because I deal with the critically ill, the sickest of the sick every single day. So when PEF offered this opportunity to um, me and all of my colleagues, I, I definitely jumped at it because the worst thing that I could do is cause harm to my family for a job that I'm doing. You know, right. so and that's got to be stressful to not be able to see them. But at the same time, you you feel like you're really doing the right thing by them. I, I'm definitely doing the right thing by them. But my daughter is like totally heartbroken. Um, yeah. She's like in tears every day that I talk to her. And she definitely is presenting with like symptoms of depression and stuff. So, oh man, yeah, it's that's really tough. sad. Yeah. I mean, it's the same with uh, some of the other folks who are here in the hotel. We have another nurse who works here and her wife um, was, I think, two years ago. She actually went into our, she was traked. She had significant respiratory issues. So she, if she brings this disease home too, like her partner would die. You know, my mother would die. Uh, One of our other colleagues, her dad is severely immunocompromised. He has significant issues with his immune system. If she also brought this home to her house, her father would expire. So um, these are the kind of patients that we see that pass for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is, is the demographic isn't necessarily what we we think it is. But the truth is, this is the weakest who are OSD. Mm-hmm. So you, so this has meant a lot to you and the other nurses, I would imagine, this program then, because not only is it helping with you keeping your family safe, but I got to think, hopefully it's allowing you to get a little more rest too. Um, yes, that's also true. So there's good. a couple of folks also who are using it for that advantage because mm-hmm. the hotel is literally across campus um, and you can literally come home, you can come home, huh? You can come <laughs> to the hotel and you can go like right to sleep. And just be quiet and be relaxed in a nice, clean environment Mm -hmm. and not really worry about harming any person in your family. So there are many benefits to it. And all of us are so incredibly grateful for PEP. We know that it's costing them a lot of money to put us up. And we're so incredibly grateful for protecting our safety and that of our families. Well, and that's we want to be able to help with that, which is why we're doing this podcast. And we're going to let people know how they can help with this fund, because we certainly want to see it continue for you. You're you're doing such important work, all of you, and we appreciate it. Um, Do you also, um, the protective gear, are you, do you have the protective gear you need? So I took a straw poll, uh, not a straw poll. So I actually want run an unofficial PEF site for my um, for my university, mm-hmm. um, for SUNY Stony Brook, myself and another colleague of mine. And so we put up a question, do you feel like you have enough PPE? So we had varied responses. And of like the 35 folks who responded, I would say probably a third of them ha- did say that they had their mask anywhere from four to six weeks. Um, there were some folks who said that they kept Wait a second, mask. like the same mask? That's correct. Wow, the okay. Mask. There were some people who said that they had their mask for seven to 10 days, I would say um, roughly 20%. Hmm. Um, there were some people who said they changed their mask, I would say probably about 40% every two to three days. And then there were some folks who actually got a mask every day. 
Um, you know, I work in a COVID ICU, so technically speaking, I'm supposed to get one every single day. I do not take one every day because I honestly don't think that the supplies are going to last. So, um, for instance, the other day I was sprayed four times. Um, so my patient became disconnected from the ventilator twice, um, in movement. I got sprayed in the face. I changed my mask and all my equipment. Um, and then, um, I happened to be in the room for an extubation. Um, so. And what is that? I, uh, removing of the breathing tube. Okay. So I changed my equipment then. And then um, something like uh, something sort of transpired when somebody was having their uh, breathing tube reinserted. So I, you know, I ran in the room um, and I like did some nursey things, if you will, some things that okay. I need to do to fix stuff. So after that time, I had to change. So one day I changed four times. So I do have a little bit of guilt that I, you know, I changed four times. Well, so but there's, will, there's, there's reasons. There's reason. Right. Yeah, there's reason. But um, so then the following, like I kept my mask for the next three days because I wasn't aerosolized. I wasn't, you know, um, exposed. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, I try to keep mine as long as possible. I won't wear mine over a week though. I'll just throw it out and get another one. Um, our, what some places are doing and our places doing this are, as well, our institution is we're supposed to be recycling them, sending them out to be cleaned where there's hydrogen peroxide heating, um, process. Um, every single person who has done it says that when they get their mask back, it doesn't have the same sort of feel. It feels loose. They don't mm. feel like they're protected. Uh, but that seems to be the policy of our institution. And our CNO actually sent out an email stating that, uh, stating that, um, you have to be responsible for your own mask. Your mask is your mask. So if you don't have mm -hmm. one, it's kind of like your problem. That's basically what she said. So uh, thereafter, that's sort of when I did the straw poll to figure things out. And then um, I believe we reported back to PEP. And then the governor um, put out an executive order that stated every day, every nurse is supposed to get a mask. But um, I will say that half of Stony Brook is still enraged for staff nurses because that's not happening for them. So you've got to be able to get, you've got to have that equipment to be able to have access to it. It sounds yeah, like. Yeah, you have to have access to it because right. it's not really openly available. Well, so um, Amy, I appreciate you filling us in. It is a, quite a lot there. And then in the meantime, you're, you know, saving lives and helping people get better, you know. So thank you for all the sacrifices that you're making. We really do appreciate it. And we want you to be able to stay safe, of course, and to, and to stay strong as well and healthy. Um, so I, uh, we will do everything we can to help to have these hotel rooms continue. And um, I know that uh, Wayne was talking about doing what he can as well, your president, Wayne Spence, as far as the um, the equipment needs that you have. So um, thank you again for taking the time to talk to us. I do really appreciate it. And please uh, do whatever you can to make yourself be able to stay healthy throughout this. Well, thank you so much. Very grateful. Thank you, Amy. Joining me on the line now is our digital director, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Darcy. 
So um, I spoke to Wayne uh, shortly after we recorded his interview, and um, he let me know that so far, since they started this hotel program, they've had 107 PEF members take advantage of it all across the state. And it's all nurses except for two EMTs, and then he said one doctor. So there's obviously there's a need. And um, can you uh, let people know how they might be able to help with this program? Yep. If you go to PEF.org, slash disaster dash relief. Uh, They have a donate link that you can click on for PayPal. Uh, It'd be greatly appreciated. Obviously, it's 107 families, uh, 107 members that really uh, could use this support. Yeah, when you hear from them, you know, it's 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 much more than just a, a night's rest so that they can be refreshed. It's really about a fear of going back to their families when you hear about that. And this has been going on for quite a while. So it's so much time for them to be away from their families, too. It's tough. Absolutely. And, and everything they're going through. There was some noise a little bit in the background when we were talking to Wayne, but that's because he was actually going out at that moment. He was getting in his car so that he could distribute more personal protective equipment to some of its me- some of his members. And it's just astonishing that there is still this need for this equipment that's so important, isn't it? It is, but glad to see unions stepping up and doing what they can to get as much uh, PPE out as possible. And yeah, and just uh, if anyone can help out with the hotel room situation too, that's great. I know they're also looking into dorm rooms, anything we can do to let these people get a a night's rest and peace of mind that they're keeping their families safe throughout this. So thank you, Kevin. Uh, Stay safe and stay healthy. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State Union strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.